0: So I'd like to uh, welcome you to the uh, uh, evening theme. So last week in the four sessions of this month, last week uh, a mention was made with regard to the significance and importance of uh, listening. The whole being is, uh, uh, can be engaged in the listening to be mindful of how easily thought, views, and opinions can interrupt or draw conclusions in the mind, and it's a response to be still, to be receptive, to give real quality of attention to the other, and that then contributes to a more mindful conscious response rather than just you or I uh, speaking out of habit, speaking out of memory, out of uh, old knowledge and that inhibits the opportunity for a, a deeper, more worthwhile response. So in this time with you this evening, as per usual, To have a guided meditation Um, following on from the guided meditation a talk on the theme then following up with any uh, questions or responses uh, that you uh, may have Um, with the uh, guided um, meditation usual uh, encouragement as well of course to uh, uh, the posture such a valuable contribution to clarity and calmness uh, of mind and body. So let's uh, sit with the uh, straight back. Just sitting, sitting with presence. So once again, it is a time and opportunity to ground and centre our being. Not as an end in itself, but more of a preparation. moments just uh, resting acknowledging the silence with a with the voice of the speaker as it were um, moving through the silence Precious capacity for us as humans to communicate through uh, the spoken and written word. Our words have impact on others, our words can have equally an impact on our lives, both in the present and into the future. Words do not come from nowhere. Do not emerge out of nothing. So we learn to track the conditions which bring about what we say, what we speak. Feelings, thoughts, conceptions are a background mostly to what we say. What are the preconceived ideas that we carry? What are the concepts, uh, the feelings, mindful of the compositions prior to speaking that the compositions have views, thoughts that underneath the compositions and the views and thoughts there are perceptions and feelings, interest and energy, responses and reactions. When we speak, we have two primary considerations. Is it as Faru, as we know true? Is it useful to express? Does what we say contribute to calm and clarity? To understanding? Does it contribute to more Fear for the other, for oneself. More stress, more anxiety. we have a sense that when we speak it is coming from primarily from our understanding or is it second hand and restate the background to uh, important communications. Speaking is a skill, it is a daily practice. There may be the opportunity to speak to a group, two, three, four, ten, twenty, whatever. If the group grows in size, does nervousness grow correspondingly in size? If so, why? What are the views about either oneself or others or both that uh, trigger the nervousness? Nervousness doesn't come from nowhere. It comes out of compositions, views and opinions, perceptions and feelings. So we practice daily skillful communication. One to one, one to two, one to ten, one to a hundred or whatever. Humans speak and humans listen. Remaining a minute or two. Thank you for the listening. You really have some water. Hang in, I'm just going to get some uh, water out of the kitchen next door. So I'll take a little time with you, just to uh, speak a little bit on the theme of speaking, <laughs> speaking on the speaking. All right. Um, a few practical considerations, and this will be the the thread flowing through uh, with the speaking uh, with with uh, with you. So in some areas, um, it is important to be rather well informed. So that if there is an opportunity for you to speak to another or others and you have a genuine sense that the person or persons you speak to it's important and valuable for them make sure you know what you're talking about. If it's personal between oneself and the uh, other. And there's some understanding and resolution which is needed. And often uh, there is. Be very, very mindful and careful about going too far into the past with views and opinions. Quite often, the further a person goes from the present, the less accurate, The person will be more tendency to be judgmental. And even if very precise and accurate, the one who listens may not remember it in that way at all. So it's far more risk to mutual understanding and empathy in going back further and further into the past. It might be worthwhile, but it's a minefield. Take care. With the communications with others, as mentioned earlier, the posture aspect of this is quite important. And what I mean by that is, when we are sharing something with the other, which is important for us and for her or him or them, the calmness of the body does go a long way to enabling the other to listen. It's valuable for us in the communication with another to remember a fairly simple truth. We speak because we wish the other person to listen. Otherwise, what's the point? If one enters into an argument with the other, the interest in the other listening has gone. No matter how many times one might claim it and say it, it's gone. Because the arguing, thats conflict between two people, the listening has effectively stopped and has been replaced with history, with the past, uh, with pressure. And neither can hear each other. So it was just a matter of um, outbursts, wrestling between two people or, or more. So the calm of the being the receptivity, the mindful application of words with care are important. With an important communication with the other, there are a few small points practical to remember. One of them is to, not the easy this, keeping one's peace while talking. The second is, not raising the voice. That's a fast way to not be heard. Not to interrupt the other. And sometimes, in the selection of the words, what we say, to speak bit more slowly than usual. It's got more power to it. So when a person is interrupting, speaking louder, and speaking faster, all three make it very difficult to listen to, and therefore to repeat, if we wish to be listened to, don't speak fast. Don't interrupt. Don't speak louder. Because the person, the other, she, he, they, the response will be they'll argue back. So listening then has come to a halt. Um, the person withdraws. They can't handle the negativity. The uh, energy behind the voice of the other or um, uh, the person becomes very very defensive so need to remember really with our important communications when speaking if the person is attacking back getting very defensive or withdrawing doesn't want to talk to us We have to find a fresh way to communicate. Because that's the outcome. Because the other isn't working. That isn't always easy and sometimes when major difficulties, one might only get one chance for the person, whoever she or he or that may be about. The great principle between human beings of speaking and listening constitutes quite often a very common denominator. To be heard, to be loved, and to be understood. when we speak, when we communicate, we wish to be heard, we wish to be loved, appreciated, acknowledged—that's love—and and to be understood. Uh, and that entering into communications, big group, small group, one to one, adults to children, children to adults pretty well the same principle uh, uh, throughout. There can be plenty of situations as well in the rhythms of the life where rather than have strong points of view, which really can wind people up incredibly quickly, <clears throat> Um, it might be better to see or to reflect on what the alternatives might be. And therefore, what I have in mind in speaking is actually to ask questions. If you're speaking in front of a group, and of course this is a teacher training, the, the voice of the the speaker mm-hmm quite often might carry on arrival, and when speaking, um, a variety of sensations um, in the body. And the description which can be given is, oh, I feel so nervous. And the sensations in the body Though given the language, the description, the label of the nervous, it doesn't make it nervous because of the sensations, it's when there's enough contraction that it is affecting our words, our speech, our communication. So as a small example, um, I remember at a, uh, we passed on our teachers, an insight meditation teachers meeting, 50 people there. And one of the teachers said, am I the only, we were sitting in a circle, am I the only one here who, even though I've been teaching for years, feels nervous in front of a group? And with the uh, response, pretty well everybody said no. They feel this as well. So it's it's a fairly widespread phenomena. But sometimes, to mention, it might just be speaking about the sensations in the body. If there is a group, and one is feeling a little uh, nervous, uh, there. and it might take a little while for the authority to emerge. It might be useful just to give a little extra emphasis to a uh, one person on your left, one in the middle, and one on the right. That your good voice in the communication, rather than have this picture, oh, X number of people are listening to me, and then some apprehension and nervousness triggers, that in a way, all human beings are much the same. Can't be otherwise, really. And therefore, just to give a little attention to one or two or three. And sometimes, in a group, I notice this uh, quite a lot in um, public speaking and blah, 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 is that one or two people in the group might be nodding. They might be offering a smile. They are showing a little bit more extra interest, perhaps a little bit more animated. And having been a public speaker, if I may say, 50 years now, that I still enjoy and appreciate those momentary acknowledgments that might come across from just one or two people. So even though sometimes when he's speaking, sometimes so on some pretty serious issues, not easy for people to listen to, firmly and directly, and one or two people are in accord, in harmony with it. Others may agree, I'm not sure, which is their right of course. So public speaking, to repeat a little bit with you, just two or three people that you might resonate with. Sometimes it's extremely hard to read if people are interested, very interested, bored out of their minds. It's hard to know. And the other, having worked with many, many teachers, obviously, um, my job, uh, and have listened literally to hundreds. uh, This is just a, a kind of a confirmation of what I'm about to say. And plenty of times, uh, I don't sit beside the teacher usually. When the teacher gives the talk, and if I have to, I usually would like to be in the audience and listen. And plenty of times, after the talk was over, I may have spoken to the teacher for a few minutes later. Yeah. And quite often the teacher said, Oh, it's a terrible talk. I didn't say half the things I wanted to say. I really wasn't very clear. I could have done it much better. All of this. Usually the speaker, that means the teacher, is the last person on earth to have a clear and balanced view of the validity and the benefit of what they say, and the teacher, after the talk, made comments like to me or themselves that I not was not a very good talk. And I could have done it better, and I wasn't clear all this judgmental language. But the talk wasn't intended for the teacher. It was intended for the listeners, the, the group, the audience. And many times, I mean, many, people have said to the teacher, or to me, who's, also, who's co-teaching, that was really a really lovely talk. I got some really good insights last night. It was very inspirational and really, really helpful. The voice of the listener is the voice that counts. Sometimes the speaker, the leader, the facilitator is terribly quick to rush to judgment about themselves. I say, you're not talking to yourself. You're not the one to have a view. You're the last one to have a balanced view. You're too close to what was said. Uh, It's the audience. It's their view. And sometimes, of course, people will say, oh, I listened um, to the talk. It kind of went over my head or... Didn't, I didn't agree with that, or whatever. Of course, people have that right uh, uh, as well. But most times, in most cases, over the years, the listeners, the group, um, appreciate it, it's quite a challenge to speak. Appreciate it takes time to step into one's authority as a speaker. And it really is, in mindfulness terms, a really, really important part of uh, practice. It is a, mindfulness is a practice of teaching, of giving talks, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, that's plenty, of answering questions and expressing the, the quiet authority. And all of us, we have to k- kind of grow into that. Uh, there and people are good generally speaking they listen and they they appreciate and understand it, it it's a bit of a challenge there <clears throat> once in britain i suppose it's probably typical elsewhere made me smile there was a survey one of these social surveys and was asked people asked what their biggest fear was and there were 10 common fears and the top of the list was public speaking and the second one was fear of death. So how about that? People are more afraid of talking to a group of people than they are of death. <laughs> that is. We are an eccentric species, my goodness me. So, we say, okay, the voice, this means the public speaker now, is engaged in a practice. Some people, uh, on this, I'll give the two um, examples here, <clears throat> do give and can give, and very and quite well as well, um, a talk, public talk I'm talking now, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or whatever, with a confidence, and without using notes. Some people have that skill. There are others who find it much more easy and effective to prepare a talk. It might be, with some, fully prepared, literally read out. Others may have a page of notes, might even be single words, and that is the thread, the line, for that talk, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, half hour, whatever, uh, there. There is no special virtue in giving a talk without notes. Just how it is. Some of us, I think, probably just too lazy to prepare anyway. And there's nothing lesser about using notes. That that issue is irrelevant. It's the content of what you say and the interest and the conviction, in a way, and the voice and the feelings that you communicate. There's nothing to do with whether you have a piece of paper and a prepared talk, some notes, or you don't use notes at all. It's it's, it's irrelevant. One of the monks, this is the example, <clears throat> some of the teachers, in the I'm talking about the Buddhist world now, um, like Ajahn Sumedho, Ajahn Chah, mm-hmm. other great, some of the, uh, the teachers from uh, the East, <clears throat> didn't use notes. So I listened to one of the monks, I'm an ex, ex-monk, so, so Straightforwardness that can take place with monks. And I listened to the monk and I said to the monk, who spoke for about an hour, I said afterwards, privately, I think it might be better if you've got some notes together. Because the talk wandered all over the place and it, as a listener, I didn't find it, you, you were focused. And sometimes having some notes really can help and focus. <laughs> and his, his response to me was, my teachers, that means Ajahn Sumedho, who's a fine public speaker without notes, Ajahn Chah Sumedho's teacher, fine public speaker without notes. He, he said, my teachers don't use notes, so I don't. So, my response, which is more important? You just following the way that your teachers do, or giving a a very effective talk for the real benefit of the people in front of you. And therefore, the talks matter. The written talks matter. They don't have to be long. It can be ten, five minutes or ten minutes. And the communication uh, there. and the value of that is, in the speaking role, it communicates an interest, um, an empathy. There is a the sincere wish for the welfare and the benefit uh, uh, of others. And it's worthwhile finally, to take questions. And all being well in this pandemically mad world we are living in, we'll uh, have groups um, in power and off. And there will be an invitation for you to give short talks um, to the group. Of course, the talks very usefully really can be prepared if you wish, can be spontaneous if you wish. The valuable things about questions is one can't really prepare for them and people are uh, encouraged might be one question per person if there's a group say of six or seven and the questions i find as as well um, can touch points we can respond as best we can but after the question period and after the session is over I find sometimes the question and the question really encourages me to reflect, to meditate, to be more mindfulness, to do some research, to have some discussions about it, etc. So we may respond well to certain questions. We may struggle a little bit, which often will get communicated as well, which is fine. Afterwards, we, we are mindful of the, that particular question. We reflect on it. We, we might dis- discuss about it. We might look at other ways of responding to it. And I do say, in, finally, that the questions are really important. Because, well, does one get some questions? And in the mindfulness world, if you're in a kind of mindfulness training like this one, we place, that's Ula and I here, the encouragement and the emphasis on your response we are not providing a kind of prescriptive answer. There are some courses which say, oh, when you're asked this, this is how you respond. We say, when you are asked this, listen deep and see what your response is. Not a prescription. And it keeps a certain um, uh, vitality alive at the same time. All right, so that's my, Talking on talking, one-to-ones, and also um, in the small group situations. Let's just have the quiet minute, and then we've got a little while for uh, any uh, any questions. Right, just going to have the. Uh... Oh, that's it, that's it. <clears throat> I'm going to finish rather sharp on the 8 p.m. this evening because I have another Zoom group. The moment we finish, um and. I know I might be two or three minutes late in making the transition. So, anyone who has any uh, questions, you're willing to uh, ready to ask, please do. As usual, can be uh, spoken uh, or uh, or written, and I'll endeavour to respond. Yes, anyone, please. Can be on the theme, speaking, or from last week, listening, or Anything else between heaven and earth? Yes. Yes, please do, yes. Yeah, thank you for your talk, Christopher. This is Ben speaking. Oh, hi, Ben, yes. Hi, Christopher, and hi, everybody. I just wondered, do you have a good recipe against nervousness, just before you start talking or speaking, public speaking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. <laughs> But it's a really, um, really valuable uh, question. Um, This is for myself now, talking for a moment. Um, A quiet period, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes beforehand, I find really, really helpful. So, if if there's been talking, talking beforehand, it's too easy to walk in with a bit of agitation because of memory. Then one sees the group and that agitation then generates the other sensations and then there is a feeling of more nervousness and then that might transfer itself to, to the talking. And an ex- example of that could be um, a person starts to be, oh, I'm so nervous, etc if a teacher starts off with I am so nervous, it is not very inspiring for the audience at all. The teacher might say it in terms of, Oh, I'm trying to be open, but the criteria is it true and useful. So before coming in, you the there to walk in slowly, if the group is already in front of you, and with the walking in slowly, quite purposefully, make the whole event, maybe with the breath, some breathing as well, all the way through to the time you sit. You just practice that this period from entering into the room or coming in with others or being the first there, you enter into it quite purposefully. And you're really being here and now from moment to moment. The nervousness is often a precondition about the near future. (gasps) I'm feeling nervous about going into this talk. I'm feeling nervous about will it be interesting for them or whatever. So nervousness is a future related phenomena. And quite often, with experience there is a kind of getting into the flow of the speaking and now you think what the hell was i nervous about what it's just i'm just talking and then listening what what's the fuss about so here quiet time here and now walking tall a little mindfulness with the breathing if necessary sit down like i do with the with with my groups like here. Let's have a quiet minute first. It's just as much for oneself as it is for the others. And then one speaks. And if you've got a topic, then you have a reference, they have a reference point. And that, a little bit of practice with the speaking. If you have a friend or two, um, you could practice. With my daughter, when she was from young age, um, we did a, I got her to do with me a lot of her practicing speaking to me, and the outcome of all that since she was a young child, she has a voice of authority she can speak to anybody about anything she's because she's sees I'm just one person talking to others uh, so. Someone to practice with, you give a talk to him or her, the one person there. See how that is and all the follow-up and that reflection afterwards. So somebody asks you a question sometimes like with me, I don't know what to say. I don't have the answer. But I'm completely comfortable with saying, I don't know. I'm um, <laughs> not infinite knowledge, man. And sometimes I would say, I don't know, but it's an important question. Thank you. I'm going to go away, and I'm going to find out. I'm going to meditate, reflect. I'm going to do my research, etc. Come back to me sometime. And people do you know appreciate that. So that we speak what we know, and we uh, say what we don't. All right, thank you. Yes, anyone, please.
1: So I would also have a remark or a question. Good evening yeah, to you. Um, to keep nice. it a little short, you said that, um, of course, the talk is for the audience. And at the same time, I feel it's important to speak from experience. Also yeah. what you say, that authority comes with experience. Yeah. So um, I feel when, like, at the moment, what we are practicing in the MPTC is more rather artificial situation that you have a topic you have to talk to people who already thought about the topic but Mm. there are also times when you have to speak to people and you choose the topic and then you should choose something that is of interest for the audience at the same time that is your experience you're speaking of so how do you find a balance? Do you think of this, or how do you deal with this?
0: Yeah, um, of, some. I'll uh, endeavour to respond. Uh, might be uh, helpful uh, here and uh, there. So it genuinely is helpful, as you point out, if we have first-hand experience. Um, this, even though we don't refer to it, it can, it gives a little extra level of depth and authority from first-hand experience. Um, it's easier to listen to. It's easier to listen to a, a mother who's had the experience of having a baby and going through the process, because they've got the experience and it carries extra weight, as an example uh, there. But in plenty of situations, we may not have the experience, and sometimes, many times, incredibly glad we haven't had the experience, you know, of crisis, of mental major mental health issues, of uh, massive loss, or whatever it might be about uh, uh, there. But we have the power of empathy. So I don't have to have had the experiences of everybody in the group, is impossible. But my voice, oh, our voice of the empathy towards heartfulness can carry over. And keeping in touch with the heart as we speak, it helps people to listen and the persons can listen and not think it's theory. I may have the experience of great issues in life, you know whatever it might be. I may have had, I may not have had to go through the the suffering of what other people have gone through: heart, mind, body, and much, much more uh, there, but the, our voice of empathy makes the voice um, powerful and effective for others to listen to. It's our empathy for their situation. And then we, we speak uh, with that. Sometimes we ask questions, too. So we, the, the reference point is the empathy uh, here. Experience is a great support as well. Is that helpful? <laughs> very very sweet. Um, So, everyone, um, if there are any responses, don't hesitate, as mentioned, each week to drop me um, an email. I can respond as well. Uh, if you need an extra 20 uh, minutes or 5 or 10 minutes with uh, the Skype, also uh, available. And next week in the session, uh, it will be uh, on the silence or conflict, I think, next week. So again, another aspect of this world of communication. And please regard listening, speaking, resolution of conflict, uh, silence, as important as any other aspect of mindfulness. Because some, sometimes people say, oh, I'm not sitting every day. I don't care. It's not the big deal. The main thing is the fullness of the day and particularly situations which are important to you. That's where the big practice is. The things which are important to you. Give that, that extra quality. If you do that, uh, you'll, you'll be fine. And speaking is important. All right. Let's have the quiet minute together, then I'll go and lend an ear and speak with these others (laughs) who are waiting around somewhere.